Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Joel Elson here. Today is Thursday, January the 31st, 2019. It's 8 a.m. in New York, 5 a.m. Los Angeles, 1 p.m. in London, Sydney, Australia is at 12 midnight. But wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us with another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And we are staying warm here in the northeastern part of the United States as the polar vortex reminds us what winter is really all about, cold, cold weather, and we're staying warm, and that's the part I love the best. Is that your best part of today, Joel? Uh, it's probably in the top ten. Top ten, think. okay. Would, uh, all right. Uh, yeah. I'll take yeah. that. That's good. I mean, because yeah. uh, I, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of blown away, too, because you uh, uh, posted on Facebook how the schools in your area uh, were opening two hours later because of the cold, and uh, it was kind of funny, the post that you posted, too, but... Um, as a result of, of that post, um, I, you know, we, we kind of have a focus on that today, and, and it's a big focus because normally you, normally you, you're taking your son to school around the time that we're doing the podcast or starting the podcast, so usually we start about five minutes late. And today, we knew you were going to be able to be here on time, which was cool. So what did I do? I started five minutes late. Like, wait a minute. This, that's not the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> Well, it, it, you know, Thursdays have uh, – they just go where they go, and, and I think they just have gotten used to that. And uh, so, you know, as we – as, you know, you, you look at it, uh, we were talking about the weather, you know, and, and what are the interesting things? And, and I, I have – first of all, I have no problem. The schools can – if they feel they need to close, I'm all in favor due to safety, and, and sure. it's not a problem for me whatsoever. However, I, I do see you – know, I always like to look at just inconsistencies. You know, when it was eight degrees uh, three weeks ago or something, we didn't close. And and uh, it, but I think a lot has to do with where we're placing our attention, and because there's mm. so much attention on it being cold. And I'm in the Richmond, Virginia area, so it, it's it's uh, we're not in the, the in Chicago where it's minus 54 wind chill, right, where, right. where it's cold, but it's you know eight or nine degrees to start the day. We're up to I don't know, probably 14 or 15. And while that's cold, it's certainly not unbelievably cold. But I do think the emphasis is where we place our focus. And so much attention is on the cold that that's what everybody's looking at. It's right. like, you know, they, they, well, we aren't participating in the minus 54 category. It's, it's, we are seeing the images. And there's a reason that I think that's really important when we're talking about law of attraction or, or what we're bringing into our environment. When you, are looking at the cold, and it's cold where you're at, but not anywhere near that. that it, you you do experience what they're going through, and that that's one of the yeah. one of the great studies that uh, I've done over the years has been about exactly that concept of what you program your brain with becomes your reality. Right. We've been programmed for the last several days to think nothing but about how brutally cold it is. It is, but it's not. It, it is a, it really in a, in a piece of our country that it is, it, it, but the rest of the country is just not that far from crazy normal. It isn't that much of a departure, but yet our focus is so much on cold. That's why we feel it so much. Does that make sense, Walt? Yeah, oh, absolutely makes sense. What we focus on, we get more of. So, yes, of course, that, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. It may not make sense to somebody who's not a, a follower of law of attraction teaching, but to us it makes a lot of sense, I would say. Yeah, well, well, you, you you place your energy on on that, and and, be, and, and that that's sort of the, the roundabout way I got there. With the, you know, if if we were just having a normal quote unquote eight degree morning, which is cold for us, but it's it's not by far the 
the coldest we've ever been, it, you know, it's unlikely the schools would have closed. But because there's so much attention, because the I mean, right. every every news uh, headline is leading with you know how cold it is, and it, and I get it. But it, but we we do that in our lives. It's what what is our lead story in our own lives every day? Are we are we broke? Are we are financially disabled? Are we you know are we lacking relationships? If whatever your lead story is, in a sense, is what you program your brain to believe your issue is for the day, and that's how you approach that is sort of the key to the law of attraction. So that this in a roundabout way is all law of attraction stuff. I love that the, the the headline you start your day with. That's a really good point. It's a, it's a good uh, uh, metaphor using a, the idea of a headline yeah. to identify how we're starting our day because that is what we tend to do, whether we get our cues from the news or from YouTube videos or Facebook or whatever else. You know, we start our day with a headline of some kind, and it's based usually on something that's external. Um, I, I think that's one reason why yeah. I've been trying to make it a practice, and I have been getting back to it. I've been doing it pretty frequently now for the last month or so of doing the mirror exercises. I started doing those, if you remember, last Last winter, actually, early spring, late winter, and uh, managed to, to my delight, I managed to get rid of all that negative self-talk going on in the back of my head and, and enjoyed blissful silence for a year, which was wonderful. <laughs> and then it started to creep back in. And uh, after talking to some other people, uh, Mike McEwen, Anne-Marie's husband, Anne-Marie does the Sunday show with me, um, he was starting to use them. He was getting some positive results, so I went back to it. And I mentioned that because I do it first thing in the morning. And when I do it for, well, second thing in the morning, the, feeding the cats is first. <laughs> but after the cats get fed, then I do my mirror exercise. And that's where I'm setting my headline for the day. And you're right. When I, right. When I do that, and, and the headline is, it isn't even one headline. It's a series of headlines that basically sure. all fall into like two or three categories. The first category is, and this one took me a while to do, but I can do it now. I look myself directly in the eyes in the mirror and I say, I love you. And I'm building up my, my self-love, my self-esteem. And then I talk about how I want the day to go and what I'm looking forward to happening, not just for the day, but for the week or the month. And just, you know, focusing on the stuff that I want rather than the stuff that I don't want. And it makes a difference. I can't always point to, well, it has led to this result and that result and that result. But I can tell you, I always feel that, well, 98% of the time, I feel better when I do those mirror exercises. I did have one exception this past Sunday. Which Sunday was just a bad day. You know, one of those days where you wake up and you can just tell everything that just feels wrong no matter what you do. I went through like five or six different practices trying to improve things, and I wasn't making any progress. And it took a long time to turn Sunday around. But generally, generally that mirror practice of, of starting with my headlines for the day makes a huge difference. I feel so much better about my day just doing that. Well, and, and that, that's the concept of, you know, one of the, the tools we can use when we're um, trying to implement the law of attraction as a changing uh, a catalyst in our life uh, in, a, in the way we want to change with it is, is identifying what is our headline. What, what are we presenting as a headline? Like you, you when, when you immediately click on uh, a news site or you turn on one of the, the, the news channels, you know, a lot will lead, you know, usually at the top of the hour, they're going to have what the most important, what they feel the most important lead headline is. And right. the lead headline is, here's what your where our focus is today. And, and that's what you're doing. Your lead headline sort of dictates, are you lacking? 
what's your fear? What 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 do you, where's your focus today? And when you realize that so much of that is part of that programming, it does change everything. It does it does put you in a different perspective or a place of seeing a different perspective because you can start working on your headline. Because the truth is, while you we I jokingly said we were kidding about the, the weather. Well, it's in the top ten for me today, but to sure. be honest with you, it, it's not really going to change a single thing I'm doing today. <laughs> it's there as as a backdrop, right. but my day, it, and that, that's not accurate either. I, I am delayed two hours in taking my son to school, so mm-hmm. um, outside of that, it's not changing any of right. my day. And, sure. and my, you know, my it worked out perfectly. The moment that happened, I just looked at the positive. Well, the two hour delay. Doesn't have me rushing around to, um, um, you know, be late for our show. That, that was your job today. Um, and the, you know, so, you know, so the reality is I, I really appreciated that. My, the timing of it was perfect because I, I don't have an appointment until 11. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to, to get some stuff done. And, and so again, I look at it like, wow, this worked out really great for me today. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I could focus on the inconvenience of the two hour delay. Oh, sure. But all of that that takes place is in my control and my programming. And that's where, you know, I, I have uh, sort of this mental image of how I start today. And I have a, 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 a bold, they call it, for those that, you, that know the, the terms from the old days in the newspaper, the doomsday headline, the big, huge print. Right. Um, my headline every day is, it starts out like, I'm grateful. That's, mm. that, that's it. I'm grateful. It's amazing. And as long as I can start out with that being my headline, there's nothing that follows that's going to get me off track from that. Ah, yes. That's very good. That's very good. By the way, this is a Q&A, so if you're listening to the live stream, feel free to type in questions. And we actually do have our first question. Siraj, who's a, a fairly regular listener, um, has already typed in the question in anticipation of it being a Q&A, Joel. So, uh, and it's kind of a broad question, awesome. but, but I'll be curious to see what your answer is. He says specifically to you, hi, Joel, hope you are doing good. I just want to know something about your best practical examples about the law of attraction. And he says this is the first time I'm approaching you, Joel, about this because he's talked to some of our other co-hosts. But um, pretty broad question, but what are some of your best uh, examples from your experience? Well, I, I can, and, you know, and I, first of all, I really appreciate our listeners and our, 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 our participants that ask questions. That means a lot. I, I love this format, mm-hmm. um, so I'm grateful for, for participation. And uh, I, I have uh, uh, I have so many examples. I can pull two off, and I'll use one that is directly me and one that I witnessed in my practice. And these are sort of headlines for me. Okay. Um, the the years ago when I was uh, uh, I was running a, a treatment center in South Carolina. And this treatment center specialized in, in addiction, uh, a gambling addiction to be specific, but we, we, we work with all types of addictions as well. Mm-hmm. And so I was running, I was director of this program in South Carolina. While uh, I, I wanted, I had a vision of a program that I wanted to implement where I could use more law of attraction concepts, more holistic health concepts. And so I, I literally had a picture in my mind of this house that I was going to run this treatment center. It was going to be on a, a bunch of land in a rural setting, but I would have a, some of the best clinicians in the world working for me. Well, I wasn't in a financial position at the time to, to really do that, but that's what I wanted. That's that's what I thought would be very helpful. So I, I envisioned it. I thought about it. I had a, a vision on my computer, a vision board program I, I use. And so I had a picture of this house on 
it's sort of a big old plantation looking house on a big hill and um that's that's all i did i, I never really thought it would come about but i always just placed it out there and <laughs> so through a, a a long bizarre chain of events walt I, it, we talked about this before mm. i had a gentleman contact me he lived in virginia again at the time i was in south carolina uh and he wanted to open up a treatment center and he wanted to come down and meet me and he wanted to open a gambling uh, a gambling addiction specific treatment center which was my my expertise mm -hmm. and he wanted me to consider to to uh run it with him or or be the director of the program mm -hmm. and at, when he came down we had a great talk he showed me pictures of the house he was renovating it was a 7000 square foot uh home built in the 1800s uh, on 400 acres in Hanover Virginia with a, a, a pond on it and a, and it, just an amazing you know, just an amazing replica of what I had envisioned. <laughs> and so on a personal level, I literally created the treatment center that I envisioned. And there was no humanly possible way for me to do that at the time that I started the thought process. I, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the wherewithal to get the money. Uh, if you're talking the, the minimum to do this would be a few million dollars in. Well, it turns out, this gentleman's wife is a tobacco heiress and has basically unlimited money, mm. and they're very generous with their money, and they, they, they brought me up, and we ran the program. Now, the only difference – now, I didn't attract my center. I never really thought about the concept of who the center would belong to, mm. it, but I was involved. I was running that facility. I, I implemented policy, and for five years, I was director at that center. And uh, until before I moved on to private practice, but that is my personal example of probably one of the most glaring concepts of the law of attraction in my life. And that's um, how you and I met, I, by the I way, because, because I found you working and, and running that center and reached out to you. and You became, I think, my 12th interview on the program. So that's how we connected. Well, it, right. And if you look at all the combinations, the threads that run from that, like you said, Walt, that, you know, that's where you and I connected. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and we, we developed our friendship and our, our long-time uh, partnership on, on at least my part of the co-hosting. And, um, and so you look at all of that and you say, wow, that came from a vision mm. and it just kept coming. So that, that was one area of my life. And I've had – we could spend an entire day me just going over direct <laughs> examples in my life. But my, one of my favorite stories that – and I apologize to our listeners that have heard this multiple times, but one of my – my most amazing thing that I have witnessed happen um, is uh, involving a young man I was working with and, and, and law of attraction in his life. Um, this young man presented to me, uh, he, he, has, he was in foster care, and his, his uh, caseworker contacted me and asked me to speak with him. Uh, being a, a life coach, uh, my services are not covered by Medicaid. Every foster care kid has Medicaid. So any service that I provide is, is uh, uh, basically pro bono, and I'm not saying that to, to be arrogant, but I'm just letting you know. It. And so for her to reach out to me, she's saying, I really specifically, you know, I, I, I think you could really help this kid. He's a great kid. And at the time, he was uh, 11 or 12 years old, and he was a tiny little guy, and, and he had had a really bad story, and, and he, he – he had this really negative inner dialogue he had, that it wasn't his fault because he had been programmed with this neg negative inner dialogue, but he mm -hmm. was buying into it. And, and one of the first things we sat down and um, 
when we were talking, I said, tell me about yourself. And his first words out of his mouth were, I'm, well, I'm oppositionally defiant. I'm attention deficit disorder. And he went on with his all of his diagnoses that he's had over the years. And then he proceeded to tell me about all the medications he had been on. And it was very sad to hear this very bright, intelligent young man just spew out all of these negative things. He had the worst life he possibly could imagine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and, and he was believing that. And so through the, through a, uh, uh, basically him and I working together and me pointing out the programming that he had. We, he, with my assistance, reprogrammed his brain by looking at his strengths. What an incredibly resilient, bright, good-looking kid this was, is. And, and all the, the his bit, look what he survived. And I had him look at his life differently. Mm. And, and that is probably the fastest example of somebody drastically changing their life. He when I say immediately, he walked out of my office a different person. He went home and he told his foster mom and his school teacher that he is no longer oppositionally defiant. He got he eventually got quickly, relatively quickly, whatever you could safely, he got off all these psychotropic medications. His behavior changed instantly. Uh, he became he, he doesn't report as depressed anymore. Uh, all these traumas and stuff while they still nothing's changed in his life. But his perspective of that, and because he changed his perspective, he went from being in foster care and almost considered an unadoptable child because of his behavior to uh, he has since been adopted and thriving, and, and he's uh, 14, probably 15 years old maybe by now. And, and last I heard was just you know uh, getting A's and B's at school, participating in sports, uh, wants to be a psychologist when he grows up, uh, an incredibly different outcome. And all that happened was he was able to implement the law of attraction and had the quickest change of anybody I've ever witnessed in, in doing this in all my years of doing this. So those are two examples. Yeah. Of, and, and I know it's a broad question, so I hope I'm hitting on it, but those are examples of, of what I feel were uh, direct and, and unequivocal law of attraction facts. Well, I know you were hitting the right buttons because uh, Didi uh, commented after your first story, oh, my goodness, Joel, I'm getting wonderful goosebumps from that story. So definitely you were hitting the mark, no doubt about that. And I also wanted to reiterate the fact that uh, the second story, the story you just told about the kid who's now 14 or 15, um, you, you almost underplayed it. But when he walked out of your office with all this change, I want to really emphasize he walked out of your office after one session. This wasn't after a series of sessions. Yeah. This was after one session. So one meeting, and all of a sudden he turns his entire attitude around. That's what makes that story incredible, absolutely incredible, because that's well, usually it, pretty it, hard. Yeah, I, I received a call from his foster mom within a day or two saying, what happened? What, I mean, <laughs> I, she, she, she's been a long time. He, he, he changed her world. He, he, uh, he, he helped point out how negative she was, how he had some um, foster care, I, don't, I guess, uh, uh, siblings. They're not his real siblings, but other foster right. care kids in the home. He changed their world uh, with his perspective. He is the, I mean, and 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 it was so instantaneous that uh, he immediately. We've talked a lot over over time, um, and you know, since all that time has passed, and he has, uh, uh, and he reports. He said, "The moment you said that, I instantly knew it was true." I didn't need to debate it. Uh, you and I have had the discussion for a long time. Younger people tend to not have as much negative programming or negative headlines as we talked about earlier, and they have an easier time sort of accepting it. Even though he had been through just what anybody would describe as a horrible childhood, 
he realized he was in complete control of his perspective of that childhood. Mm. And once you once you do that, wow. Uh, once you realize, and once it works for you, and once you really believe it works, and you see it, it works for everyone. It's just accepting that it's working. Uh, it, it, it then it becomes like, wow, okay, I, I, I just have been given the control of my life, and, uh, and it, it's such an amazing tool that that you almost don't believe it can work. That's where the that's where resistance comes in. Well, there's no way that can work that easy, yeah, right? but it really has. Yeah. <laughs> Didi says, oh, man, I've got to get my Kleenex for that story of the kid who changed immediately. So, yeah, definitely making uh, scoring points here. I want you to tell uh, that in more detail that one part of the story where he got off the meds. Because, it, first of all, it's a funny story. And second of all, it shows just how much power is, is involved in, in changing perspective. I mean, this kid just took total control. So can you tell that part of the story? Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. This- I will, and, and and just a little backdrop for those. One of my uh, one of my passions in life is helping children in foster care, and and you know we we uh, I won't get into a lot of political commentary, but we've put a they're, they're the most underrepresented part of our society. I believe they they don't have any voice. Yes. Um, they're they're throwaway children, and uh, so they get put into a foster care system, and 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 I don't want to uh, put everybody down, but they get put into a system that. Really, their focus is about not necessarily the child. It's a job, right. and they get they get into a mental health care system where up oh, this kid's upset. So let's give him some drugs. And mm-hmm. so this young man, I forget the number of drugs he's on. I, I but I he was on a multitude of antipsychotic drugs, mm-hmm. several of them that weren't even intended to be for children. Wow. And so one of the questions that I ask is is uh, when we had our first session, I said, he, you know, he read me his list of medications, and one of the first ones he said he was on Prozac. And I said, why are you on Prozac? And, and he said, well, because I'm depressed. And I said, well, why are you depressed? And, and you know, it, it seems silly at the time now that you look back, but I was walking him through it. I knew all these answers. Right, right. I was walking him through it, and he said, uh, well, because I'm in foster care, and my mom died while she was in prison. I mean, really frustrated with me that I'd ask such a stupid question. Mm-hmm. And so my follow-up question, which is really the beginning when he, he had his massive aha moment, is I said, okay, I agree with you. I said, I, I completely understand why you're depressed because of that. And can you please tell me how Prozac is helping you not be depressed, uh, not be in foster care and how your Prozac is helping your mom not be dead? <laughs> and the look on his face was like, huh. I said, so your depression or feeling bad or whatever term you want to use seems very normal to me. I mean, you had your entire childhood ripped away from you, everything you love taken. So, yes, yes, depressed makes sense, but I'm, I'm failing to see where the Prozac is working. And we, we, we were like, huh. And, and, and that opened his eyes, and we, we started walking through all the medications. And other than him possibly having some slight ADHD stuff going on, uh, there was nothing he was on that he needed to be on. I mean, at his determination, as we discussed what each drug did. So he had a, he, he asked his foster mom immediately after our session to make an appointment with his psychiatrist, which he asked me to go to the appointment with him. And, uh, it, it, he, he wanted to go in and, and, and sort of confront the doctor. I mean, he, and he did. My goodness. He, <laughs> he ambushed that doctor in a way I've never seen happen before. And, and we, 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 uh, 
we walk into the office and this is at the doctor's meeting and psychiatrist, he prescribed all these meds. And one of the facts that happened, this is crazy too, one of the, one of the things that happened often again, say for example, a child's moved from foster home to foster home. Uh, they'll be placed on a medication by some doctor, some random doctor he sees. Okay, you're on Prozac. Well, he goes to the new foster home and says, well, he was crying last night. He's still depressed. Well, let's put you on some Abilify or some other, you know, let's let's put you on, keep your Prozac and add something. And then, by mm-hmm. the way, he has some anxiety. So maybe we'll throw in a little, you know, Wellbutrin or some of these other great. Tegretol might help for some reason. don't know why. But they, <laughs> they would throw all so they throw all these medications on, they never take one away, and they keep adding medication. And so now you have this cocktail of drugs that would knock out an elephant, and a little 70-pound uh, 12-year-old's on, the, on these drugs. It's just no wonder he's acting half crazy. So yeah. as, we wa- as we walk in, we sit down, to the, the psychiatrist was very concerned of who I was. You know, why are you here? He kept asking that question, why are you here? And, and this young man said, because he – He's here because I asked him. He's my life coach, uh, and and I asked him to be here. And so he said, "Now, can you please tell me why I want Prozac?" And he said, well, "Why you're depressed? You're depressed." Because yes, but I'm. Would you agree that I'm depressed because my mom died and I'm in foster and I'm in foster care? And he, the doctor's like, "Well, yeah, that's why you're depressed." He goes, "So how's Prozac helping that?" <laughs> and, and the doctor just looked at him like, "Well," and he can't, all the doctor could look at me. It goes, who are you? Now, why are you here again? And, and, and he can never answer. The, and the kid went through each medication. He said, why do you have me on this? What, what, does this even make sense? I, I cannot believe you have me on an anti-seizure drug. I have never had a seizure in my life. And, uh, and it was just this, this relentless attack. And finally, as we were done, he said, the, the, uh, the young man said, I want to get off all of this stuff. I want you to start getting me off all of this. And, and, you know, as quickly as we can, but you know, explain to him that you can't just jump off medications, that we have to get you off slowly. Right. And so the stuff we can drop, let's drop that. And stuff we have to wean off of, let's do that. And so the doctor's reluctantly doing this. And, and, and there's a whole whole financial reason for a doctor to keep prescribing and seeing the kid every oh, month, yeah. too. That's a whole separate thing. And uh, so after this brutal appointment, which I knew the psychiatrist would have strangled me if he could have, um, <laughs> He, he, on the way out, the, the, the party shot, and I'll never forget the party shot, which I love more than anything else. He, he looked at me right in front of the psychiatrist and he said, you need to find me another doctor. <laughs> and, uh, I said, I said, we'll do. And, uh, we just walked out and, uh, we found him another doctor. He had, and I'm, all these years later, he's on a small dose of, uh, uh, of a very mild ADHD medication, uh, and he only takes that on days he's so all those medications to be on a very small maintenance dose uh, as needed uh, ADD medication is a drastic change, yeah. and that was uh, that was such an amazing you know chain of events. I, I, I'll never forget that. That, that's my favorite part of the story. When the kid fires the psychiatrist, I think that's wonderful. It's absolutely precious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and, and, and this is one of these doctors that, again, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not mentioning his name, so I'm not setting any, you know, but it's just one of those things that happens. These kids get in foster care that they're prescribed all the meds, and their goal is is to sit there and see as many kids as they can in an hour. The kids never engage them. They just mm. listen. They just take what they need. The only report of how they're feeling is usually coming from the foster mom or the group home. So 
So it's always a critical review. So they keep getting all these meds. Well, this doctor had a waiting room full of kids. He's trying to get, you know, four or five, six kids in an hour in the room and out. So we can charge $150 each time. But we stayed there for 45 minutes and this kid just eviscerated this doctor. It was, it was this, I've, 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 if, if there could be a movie about one thing, I mean, and the, the, all the doctors response like twenty times in the set, looked at me and goes, "Now who are you?" Who are you? Yeah. It just, it, he had no answer. This 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 young man just owned his life immediately, and that was so empowering. And that's a law of attraction thing. He realized he was. Our we are all we need. We are the solution. We are the answer. We're our own cure. But we've been told we're not, and the law of attraction allows that to happen for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Um, Shelly uh, Shelly is my uh, Monday evening co-host. She's asking. Uh, she says, "Super interested in how you get how you got started with foster kids, the channels you went through." Uh, she says, "We were foster parents years ago." So she wants to know more about your foster parent experience. Well, uh, the, the, it's an uh, incredibly long story, and I'll try to keep it as uh, quickly as uh, make it as short as possible. I had. Uh, um, many, many years ago, I was, uh, uh, one of my jobs after I left, left my, I used to work for my dad in insurance. And, uh, I, I ended up, uh, in the middle of a horrible gambling addiction and, uh, me and an insurance agency and, and gambling was not a good mix. No. Um, so we, and, and that, yeah. And so I ended up going to work for another company and, and I was actually offered a position to somebody I knew as a, uh, working with emotionally handicapped children. Mm. And, you know, I, I loved, I, I never knew that I liked doing that. It was something farthest from my mind, but I was really, you know, really good at it, really enjoyed it. And it didn't take me long before I became a director of the, of several homes, uh, and, and really enjoyed it. But at the same time, I had a really bad gambling addiction mm. and, uh, um, and that ended up, uh, not ending well because mm. I, I, my gambling got really out of control. So I left that job. And went through recovery and, and a lot of things that happen is, is in, when I got in my recovery, um, you know, you're looking for ways to give back, ways to do something. So I ended up in, in South Carolina where uh, through a bizarre chain of events, which now clearly was meant to happen, uh, somebody knew me from when I was in Tampa running these group homes and, and they asked, would I be interested and helping train the perspective, or at least give talks to prospective foster care parents. Oh. Uh, and, and I said, sure. And so I actually became a trainer in working with people and how you do that. And through the chain of events of me being a trainer, I, um, one of the social service people that went through one of my classes asked me if I would be a foster parent for one particular child, uh, that, uh, was really a hard case. And, uh, uh, I ended up being that foster parent, and that child thrived, and we ended up having a really uh, incredible experience and journey that could spend all day talking about that as well. But um, it, it, it was something that uh, I sort of fell into, and it's something I love doing. I love being an advocate. Uh, they're un- an underrepresented population, as I mentioned before, and uh, they are some of the most resilient, incredible spirits on the planet. They just don't know it. They've yeah. been told the opposite. They're programmed constantly with the negatives and what's wrong with them. And when they are opened up to that concept, you're dealing with some, just some of the most amazing people. In fact, um, I have 
a 13-year-old that I officially adopted a little over a year ago. He moved in two years ago into, from foster care. So uh, even after my two boys I adopted years ago, I ended up as a doing it one more time, Walt. Right, yeah. you, you've been a part of that journey, and that's happened as well. And it was exciting when you were telling me about it, too. Also, tell people how many um, unadoptable foster kids you were able to find homes for. Well, that 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 term unadoptable, I've never believed. So, uh, but they 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 you know unlikely to be adopted or, mm-hmm. or unadoptable or kids that you know didn't have much potential to be adopted, always became sort of the special group that I wanted to go help the most. Mm-hmm. So, me when I say me, I, I, I me and a group of people, me and right. a, uh, several incredible people set out to really make it a priority to find those kids' homes. So. Um, at last count, there's been a few more added to it. There's 36 children mm. that have a permanent forever home because, ex- you know, people help me help them find ways to become adoptable. Uh, and, and most of the time it was helping the kids understand what was, pre- you know, the, one of the psychology uh, factors behind you, you, you neglect and abuse a child and ignore a child long enough, and the child will automatically start pushing you away before you could ever help them then so they right. don't get hurt again. Right. So a defense mechanism for a lot of these kids is to act just the fool and and then you'll push them away and they won't get their emotions hurt. So uh mm-hmm. so once the once the kid understands that, once the families understand that, then you have a, a solution to it and and I have uh, uh always found that it's also so usually older parents as well have tend to be a little more open to the idea and and tend to be a little more uh, able to provide the, the patience and understanding to the younger kids. So I, I started going after an older population to become foster parents and sort of untapped. Usually they're in better financial shape. They're, they're Again, they, they've been there and done that, so things don't freak them out. Right. One of my favorite uh, stories you and I haven't ever talked about too much, I may have mentioned it before, but uh, again, in South Carolina, there was this 16-year-old African-American female, incredible, brilliant, beautiful young lady, uh, had been in the foster care system since she was six years old and would, you know, just really wanted a mom. Mm-hmm. It, it, her, she was doing good in school. She just wanted a permanent family. And this has been several years ago. And we found a, a 70-year-old grandmother, a, a Caucasian grandmother, that wanted to adopt or became willing to bring. It is the most unlikely couple in the world. Uh, <laughs> these two are one of the great success stories. That's been, again, several years ago. Uh, she ended up being adopted. She thrived. She went on to college. She's uh, a nurse practitioner now. Wow. And she takes care, and she takes care of her mother. Oh, my. Took her in. Incredible wow. story. Yeah. Wow, that's I really mean, heartwarming. You know, the, that's law of attraction right there. Yeah. It, it, that's all that. So there's all the, that's why I'm so excited about this concept for so many people because it, at, even at the most seemingly most helpful people, helpless people on the planet, there's great relief in the law. In fact, almost the more helpless you are, the more you can allow the law of attraction to help. That's, that's the, the odd part because you're able to give up the concepts. You're able to give into it and, and just accept it. I want to come back to that concept because that's actually a theme that you discuss a lot here on the show, um, in your Facebook posts, all over the place. You talk about uh, the people who struggle the most getting the most benefit from learning how to be deliberate creators, how to use the law of attraction deliberately in their lives. But before we get to that, uh, Siraj had a comment. I wanted to run it by you. 
Um, first of all, people are loving your story, especially about 36 kids being adopted. They think it's amazing. Um, in fact, Shelly says, I think I need to hire you to coach my son. <laughs> but uh, Siraj, <laughs> Siraj is saying, nowadays, sc- schools should include meditation and LOA in the curriculum. It would be beneficial to the next generation to live a peaceful life. What do you think about that? If, if, if I could start a curriculum, and, and you and I have actually said that exact same thing. I, I don't know if it would be 11th or 12th grade or 10th grade or, or make it. I would love I've actually approached our, uh, one of the private schools here in town about that. I, I believe that that would change everything. It, it would, it would uh, talk about changing the world. If that became the, you know, the actual curriculum, the, the concepts of the law of attraction, the concepts of, of, of meditation and, and, you know, all that, all the combination of stuff we add together, if that became a, a really sort of a, a roadmap in school, and this is how you're going to get to all that. It, it, I, I can't think of anything that would change the world more. Mm. Uh, I think that would just drastically, uh, uh, it would cascade through. through it, it, I, I'm shocked that it hasn't been done before, and, and, and I'm really not shocked because I, I don't think that the powers to be, so to speak, would ever want to unlock that gate because it would change things so much, and we become so accustomed to things being the same way that uh, you know, you you we we want to argue over these ridiculous things when in reality, if, if teaching a child, I, I I don't believe in teaching a child here memorize all of this and then spew it back on a test and somehow that's rewarding. Mm. Teach them how to think critically. Think them how to think through the law of attraction. Think to, teach them to understand all the stuff. Don't mean they don't need to learn stuff, but I, I just. The way we teach now is anything but independent teaching. It's, it's anything but thinking for yourself, thinking mm-hmm. in a way that that allows you to open up to the teachings that, that are out there. And, and I'm not going to tell you what to believe. My son Justin the other day I had a wonderful discussion about, you know, what we believe. And, and, and he, yeah, he, he said, what do we believe? And I said, I don't know what you believe, but here's what I believe. And, uh, <laughs> and then we – we went on to discuss. It. I said, "You, you know, I want you to discover." It. I said, I've, I've, "I'd never want to just tell you what you have to believe. Here's mm-hmm. what I believe, but I want you to, I want you to look at all things, and and you come up because what what you'll feel is right is what I want you to do. And and within that, I I, I certainly we have rules we live by. We we, we respect sure. other people. We don't, you know, we. So I'm not I'm not any means just suggesting just to do whatever you want to do. But within the concepts of, of beliefs and all, I'm I. I think if we were to allow this to become mainstream, it just it, that would be the tipping point for for everything that that's wrong with our country or the world. Even. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned uh, in kind of in passing the importance of when somebody goes through really really difficult stuff in their lives, how that can actually be more beneficial for them than for somebody else to understand the law of attraction concepts. And you've you've waxed eloquently about uh, the, the the importance of struggles. So talk about that for a little bit. One of the, one of the things that I do every day of my life is I try to reframe or I try to look at at my mindset and what I'm thinking and, and what drives me. And I'm very much someone who I've worked very hard to avoid struggle over the years. I I, I comfort was what I was seeking. Struggle was was bad, and it, that's reinforced. I'm sorry you're struggling. Well, one thing that I've discovered: my greatest growth came from struggle. 
Struggle is no longer a negative. I go toward the struggle. I pick the harder things to do. I, I, I want that because that's where my greatest growth is. So I've redefined struggle from this negative event to a positive strengthening event. So when I look at where, when I was at my lowest bottom, I'd lost everything. My family was not speaking to me, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gambled away all my money and, 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 and stolen money and, and behaved really in a, in a, just a very negative way. Um, I had nothing left. I had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. I had no option. Right. So when, when I, when I started looking at what was missing or where we were at in, in, when the law of attraction was presented to me in this journey, and it was through the secret, we talk about that a lot too. Right. Um, when the concept, I first discovered the concept of the secret, I'd, I'd heard about it before, but the secret sort of brought it where it made a little sense to me. And, you know, that opened my eyes and it, was, it allowed me to say, wow, you know, look at it from this way. That's when that, that, that it just started a tidal wave for me. Of, of cascading positive events. And you and I talk about spiraling events up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I started spiraling upward. And then, then I started looking at what I was fearing was what was keeping me from what I needed to be. In fact, you know, I, I, I challenge everybody that's listening. I, and, and it sounds negative for, I hope you fail today, Walt. And when I say <laughs> that, it sounds so horribly bad. <laughs> And, and, and you know where I'm going with it. Absolutely. I want you to try so hard. I want you to go work so hard in your life that you fail because you know you put in the maximum effort. And if I get up every day and I work hard enough to fail every day, and I and I make I, I keep coming back, keep coming back, I cannot help but be successful. And failure to me is a part of that journey to success. Failure is when you get up and you know you worked hard enough. I pushed it to the end. I was able to get to a point where I fail. I, I work out every day in the gym. I, 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 I fail constantly in the gym. And, and I, that's because I'm trying. When you, when you go through a world without, without failure, you're living in a comfort zone that, that there's no growth there, but failure is a positive again. Now, there's a difference between being a failure and using failure as a tool. Totally different thing. But all that's that inner dialogue and how you, you, you do that. The struggle you talk about that I always say, I want struggle. I, I, I love struggle. I feel struggle is my growth. I grew through the struggle. So my, my evolution through all this was allowing myself to realize what I was avoiding was actually my strength. I am, I have, you know, I have survived the unsurvivable. Mm. And I'm here to talk about it. I just didn't, I didn't just survive all. I ended up thriving. I have a yeah. life most people can never dream of. Absolutely. And I, I have that through unbelievable struggle and, and, and a lot of failure. That, that's, it's a really powerful story that you've had to tell too. In fact, um, I, I want to give you a moment also to tout your book, uh, The Bench, which lays your entire story out in great detail. Um, so basically anyone who's listening who wants to learn more about you know, what you've gone through, but also what you've learned along the way. Read The Bench. It's a really good book you can find it on Amazon. Um, just, you know, I, I just want to make sure people know about it because it's a really important book. I, well, thank also, you, Walt. And, and I, 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 uh, I'm also writing, a, I'm in the process of writing a couple other books. The one that's sort of on my forefront right now is called The Law of Action. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's the, it is a law of attraction book with uh, a lot of the concepts that I just sort of briefly touched on about how taking action and how moving forward and how these things are such a 
uh, how the law of attraction works with that catalyst when you have the right mindset. And uh, it, it is uh, of everything that I've come across in my life, I find nothing more important than this. This is the the most important way of thinking for me has been what the law of attraction does, uh, uh, and 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 trying to in the process of mastering it over the years. You know, it, I find a new layer. It seems like every year I find a new layer. Every week I find a new layer of, of wow, how can I use this? And uh, you know that when I realize that I am in charge of how I feel and how I think and what I, all that's my, at, at my disposal. And once I do that, right, that energy and that vibration, it only attracts more of that. Mm-hmm. And, and the other stuff just sort of falls off the wayside. So it is such an, in, in, in my, like I said, the bench uh, covers a lot of my journey through my addiction, through my recovery, um, all the way through the death of my son, TJ, and, um, and how all that, that uh, helped shape my direction and world now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a powerful story for sure. Um, Shelly, by the way, uh, was uh, jumping on to what you were talking about. She says, I, th- I think great teachers do teach the law of attraction in a roundabout way, but the system has created a lot of what she calls packet teachers. Um, but there are some great ones out there, she, she says, and she also adds, struggling equals solutions and opportunities. I love that. Yes, and, and, and when you, you know, you, you, you have one of the things I do in, in my sessions with people, when I ask them about, you know, tell me about struggle. What, is, what does struggle mean to you? And, uh, and, and it's almost always a negative connotation that they have attached to it, a negative descriptive. And, and you know, I, I look at and also we'll use the word suffering. Suffering and struggle are often used together or, or many people feel they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think they're polar opposites. I think suffering is wallowing in your own stuff. Right. I think suffering is beating yourself up. I think suffering is the opposite of struggle. I think struggle is fighting, it's growing, it's strengthening. Uh, and and a lot of it is, you, we may have a listener saying, well, Joel, you're just talking definitions. You're just talking semantics. You're, and I'm like, yes, yes, I am. And that's all life is, is how you're choosing to perceive it. Mm. The energy you're placing towards something is what matters. And, and how you feel is what matters. It matters to be able to tune into how you're feeling. Walt mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, doing the mirror work stuff. You identify your feelings are off and you figured out a way to how to look in the mirror and, and dive into that. Right. That's how you change things. When you, when I find my mindset wandering to the negative or falling back in it, I, I, I've tuned it into, I don't even have to think about it anymore. I just, it's just, you know, oh, oh my God, I laugh at it. I, I laugh at the negative, and and said, really, you don't stand a chance anymore. And and it it and, and it, it doesn't. It, it, I can I can wipe it away with the thought. Now it took me forever before, but I I don't have bad days. I don't have bad hours anymore. Yeah. I, I might have a bad few minutes, and then I can just wipe. And it's only until I realize it, and then I can just wipe it away now. Mm, that's really something too. By the way, you kind of glanced over this, um, but or, or skipped past it maybe is the way to describe it. But Joel is a consummate gym addict. He loves working out in the gym. And I was thinking about the story that you told about the psychiatrist and how the kid was firing the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist giving you these, these sidelong glances, like, who is this guy? And it, it was occurring to me, the, the psychiatrist might have wanted to do something to strike out at you, but he wouldn't dare because you can deadlift 500 pounds. He'd be taking his life into his hands if he tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
that, that, I don't think that crossed his mind, but uh, it wouldn't have been a problem if it did. That's right, um, yes. But that, yeah, and, and one of the things, too, that you mentioned that I, I, for, for people who wonder, I, years ago, I was a, um, I, I tend to make everything make sense. You know, I was a, I was a unusually thin child. I was super skinny and I was very self-conscious when I was very little. And I was picked on uh, because of my, how skinny I was. And I started lifting weights. And one of the things that, one of the great gifts I've ever had in my life was being picked on because I was skinny. Because that propelled me to weight. That propelled me to a hobby that I am now, in fact, uh, on on Sunday, I will be 57 years old. Happy and, birthday. Um, hey, I didn't realize that. Congratulations. Happy yeah, birthday. Yeah, and so, but thank you. And And so when I do that, I have been lifting weights from when I've been 12 years old. I've been lifting weights wow. for 45 years. Um, I, I, without that tool, I probably wouldn't be alive, not just physically, mentally. It is one of the most healthy things. And I, when I say lifting weights, I, it doesn't have to be, you know, I do heavy duty lifting. You don't have to do all that. Movement is nature's antagonist to depression and anxiety. Uh, being healthy, being uh, you know, what you eat, all that stuff is so relevant to the law of attraction, what you believe. When you really believe you're healthy, I, I'm on no medication. I have perfect blood pressure. I, and, and I, again, I'm not saying that with arrogance. I'm saying no. that with, I, I, it's what I believe. And then my actions present. If I ever have a day where like, you know, something comes up that isn't going right. And, and I'm like, no, I, I, I know the gym is there for me. I go to the gym every day. It's, it's just what I do. It, it, I, I, I make no major decisions in my life. There's two things I do before there's a major decision made. I go to my bench and then I lift weights. And after I lift weights, I'll make that decision because I know my mind is in the right mindset after I've flooded it with those good brain chemicals. I want to make decisions based on positive thought, not fear-based thoughts. And, and I always uh, I rely on those two methods, and I have not gone wrong since I started doing that. And by the way, we're also getting other happy birthdays from the listeners in the live stream. Uh, but I, I agree with you, and I also want to really emphasize something that you also kind of skimmed over there, but it's really important. Um, you said you, you talked about how important it is to move the body, that it doesn't really matter about 500 pounds. The weight doesn't matter. What matters is moving the body and, and taking advantage of that as a way to keep the emotional balance in balance. And, and I think that's so important. I mean, if I, if I, I actually, and you, you applauded me for this. A month ago, I joined a gym for the first time, and I really have no interest in doing weightlifting at all, but I went there to run the treadmill, and I actually bring my dance shoes with me, and I go into the little um, classroom space that they have there. When there's no class going on, I'll practice some of my dance steps as a way to, to, to work out a bit. Um, but it's the movement. Can we get a video of that, please? Can we get a video of that, please? Just I'm throwing that out there. Well, I'll tell you this, Joel. I normally don't like to blow my own heart about it, but I was doing my workout one day, and this big hulking guy comes over to me. Actually, they have uh, you know how they have the uh, paper towel rolls so you can wipe off equipment and so forth. And I was doing my my steps next to that machine. He comes over to the machine, and I I, I had my headphones on. I didn't even see him there. I didn't. I finally saw him and said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, got out of his way. And he said, I, I couldn't hear the whole thing because I had my headphones on, but I saw him mouth, wow, that looks really great. So there you go. I'm actually pretty good at the thing. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt. I think it's awesome. I, 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 and if you really want to laugh, I'll go do some dance. <laughs> that will get some attention. Uh, but, no, I, but it, 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 movement, you know, 
where movement comes with the law of attraction and, and, and you know, what, what happens. The body had – I come from a belief, and by the way, I've got to do a disclaimer because I'm getting on the edge of medical, something like medical advice. I am not a medical doctor. I do not I, – I, I'm not suggesting you, you do anything without your doctor's advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got that out of the way. However, right. however, however, the however, I believe that our bodies have the ability to heal themselves. I ha, I, if, there's not a chemical made in a, in a pharmaceutical company that is not already able to be made in your body. Yes. Uh, your body is intended to heal itself. The the what happens is we we fill it full of poison and we we don't move and we don't allow it to happen. The 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 concept of movement. There's a million different reasons why I think it helps. But for example, uh, uh, why it helps so directly with anxiety and depression is when you start moving, the body produces chemicals in the brain that are positive chemicals. It's being released. It's it's a little bit of exercise is like a little bit of an antidepressant. It really is. Mm. It, you feel good. A lot of exercise is like a lot of antidepressants. Uh, Harvard has multiple studies, and, and, and again, the medical community hates this. Uh, uh, there, there's one that came to mind where they, they took three groups. They did um, people who were on antidepressants. They did people who were antidepressants uh, and uh, exercise. And they did people who were on antidepressants, exercise, and I mean, antidepressants and uh, counseling only, and and they they looked at which group was going to be and <clears throat> sorry there was a control group, four groups or control group who who were on nothing but mm-hmm. antidepressants. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm probably confused it already. But at the <laughs> no, end of the it. day, my assu- my assumption was uh, going into that study that the most effective thing would have been the the, the group that was in counseling on an antidepressant, uh, just from a, what they would come up with. Mm-hmm. The one commonality to success was exercise. The exercise alone group did as well as the – did better than the, uh, contr- the the group alone with the antidepressant and did as well as the antidepressant and the counseling by wow. itself. And then when you added all of those together, it was by far and above. Because really? you're taking action. The body is prepared to do that. The, the body can fix these problems. The body can heal. Uh, uh, Dr. Joe Dipenzi has a book called You Are the Placebo right. uh, that, that gets into how the mind controls healing. Uh, you, you know, the, the epigenetic uh, concepts of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who talks about how your, your, your DNA can move toward uh, it can change. It, it, it's functional. It changes because what you program into the body, what you believe. Uh, these are incredible concepts that were never believed. And the idea that we can, you know, when you move, you change things, and then how the law of attract. When you're in that mindset, when you go to the gym, you work out. You go, no matter what, I just worked out. I can do anything. I can do whatever I want to do. I, I, I can move forward. You, you come out with such an a, a, invigorated view of everything, the law of attraction, that's what you want the law of attraction to pick up on is the excitement of that. Whatever anybody that's listening is facing right now, there's an answer to this. And you you can when you tune into the right mindset, the law of attraction will fill that void. But if you're if you're presenting whatever's got you wrong from a, a perspective of lack and depression and anxiety, unfortunately you're going to get more depression and anxiety back to you. True. Yeah, very true. 
Um, in fact, what, what comes to my mind as you're describing all of that is the fact that we human beings, uh, e even when we do something as good as exercise, uh, I, I, I have not spent a lot of time in the gym. It's been like a month, so I don't have the 45 years of experience that you have. But I noticed pretty quickly, most of the people in that gym, and, and it's a fairly busy gym. There are a lot of people in there every time I go there. Most of them have this frown on their face. They're concentrating, but they're frowning. And then every once in a while, I see one person who's been working out, and he or she has a smile, and you can just tell they're excited. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, they're getting so much more benefit out of it than everybody else is. Because everybody else there is treating it like it's, like it's this drudgery work that they have to go through. But this one person out of 100 or whatever it is is saying, I feel great doing this. This is so good. That's got to be so much better for them that way. Well, and, and that, that, that's the, again, when you go in with the right mindset, when you walk in that door and you understand why you're there, I'm grateful to be there every day. It's one of my favorite times of the day. I, 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 I truly look forward to it. And I, I have conditioned myself to look forward and be, I feel like if, if something's happening in life that I can't get there that day, then that's very seldom. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to be okay, but I, I really miss that. I, I, I interact with people. I'm always, you know, and I, t I always want to, lift those around me up. I'm always smiling, always helping anybody that needs help. And you'll be shocked at once you get back from that wall. They get yeah. they, Everything comes back when you do that. There are people there that understand being there. I view it as I get to go to the gym. That's the mm. same thing that I, I, I have. Any, if you find yourself today or tomorrow, whatever your schedule is in life, if, if one of your thoughts is, oh, i got to go to work, Right off the bat, you don't realize that there's a resistance in the law of attraction versus I get to go to work. Right. Regardless of it, 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 we get to get up. There's people right now that would die, would give anything to have what we have right now. Yeah. And so the idea that I get to go to work, I get to do the things I get to do. Um, there was, there was one evening at the gym, real quick story, one evening at the gym. I was, uh, uh, it was a Monday evening and I had had a very difficult day. I mm. mean, multiple things happened. I was very tired. Uh, I think I stayed up the night before I watched the football game too late. So I had a lot of reasons not to work out. Mm. So I pulled up into the parking spot of the gym, and uh, I, I, I was texting some people, and I was trying to talk myself out of going to the gym. I didn't mm. realize it at the time. And so here's where the universe puts something in my mind. One of the, one of the heroes at the gym I go to uh, most frequently is this lady. She had lost both of her legs and one of her arms in an accident years oh, ago. Oh, my goodness. And oh. – She's in the gym, and she's a beast. She's awesome. She can do one-arm pull-ups, and she has the best spirit attitude of anybody I know in the world. And so as I'm sitting in my car texting, her van pulls into the handicap spot. The, the, the hydraulic lift goes down. It takes her 15 minutes. Right. Pulls herself and puts herself in her chair. She rolls all up. I'm going, okay, I get the point. Damn. <laughs> yeah, and right. I went in and had one of the best workouts you could ever have. Really? Uh, I, I, I was able I was, I was able to look at it and go, you know, wow, she mm. is her effort and energy to get to the gym is far a thousand times harder than mine and she's here and so I'm a little bit tired. Get mm. your ass in there. I remember telling myself <laughs> that and I had a great workout, Walt. It was incredible. Wow. And and she's incredible and, and, and she's she's one of my heroes. Yeah, I can understand why. Well, and what a great way to end the session today. That that's you told some fabulous stories. That was probably the best of them all. So thank you for sharing all those insights. I I love hearing them again. I know our live stream listeners love them. We got great comments on that, and I'm sure that uh, the regular listeners of the podcast are loving it too. 
So thank you very much, and happy birthday this Sunday, and I look forward to talking to you next Sunday, or next Thursday, rather. Thank you all. All righty. You have a great one, my friends. Yep, you do the same. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. 